Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 63, From One Hand to Another. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened previously in Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. And as a side note, if you have noticed, we are switching to the episode count for the overall series. So we're starting with episode 63 instead of the episode count corresponding to the season, which would have been season four, episode four, just to remain consistent with how the show itself has been numbering these episodes. So you've been warned. So this episode, um, from one hand to another, I think right off the bat, just being frank, is probably the most boring so far. From one filler to another. Yeah, from one filler to another. I mean, the other episodes, we had other episodes like episode two that were slower in pacing, um, a little more calm, less action, all of that. But they were still really good episodes that gave us like a lot of information. And while we did get significant pieces of information that really I think complicate in a good way complicate the plot I don't think that this episode was paced very well and I just feel like overall to me I don't I'm I'm not a manga reader so I'm not sure but it just felt like they were trying to cram in a bunch of stuff that happened in the manga into one episode so that it they don't spend a lot of time on it, but they're still technically touching on it for those manga fans. Um, I could be completely wrong, like I said, but that's just how this pacing felt to me. I agree. And spoilers here for anyone who has not watched Game of Thrones, but this felt like when everyone had to wait for the dragons to show up in that series. Um, as the story has been progressing, but for the last three episodes, it's been at a, at a snail's place at a snail's pace and we really haven't seen any significant like plot pieces since the premiere with that battle with the mid-east forces and all we get in this episode that's really of substance is the very end the quote-unquote post-credit scene where you see aaron and reiner reunite uh, for the first time in four years but the rest of this episode again it's just a like a potpourri of just random world building and information and exposition. I will say though that the the Tiber family running Marley is a huge huge reveal. But two things about that. One, you didn't need this entire episode to give us that reveal. I mean, it was revealed when Willie and Commander Magath were talking on the balcony. That's all we needed was that scene to to gather that information and that could have be plopped that could have been plopped right into the next episode or you know meld this episode with the next episode. Um, but two, because there was just so much going on, I felt like that huge reveal was really, really um, like downplayed. Mm-hmm. It, it was it felt very suffocated. like there was just too much happening that as an audience member, I was like, I, I, I guess this is important, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around everything else that's happening around this. So I feel like if they had just focused on that reveal for this episode, but not even given it a full episode to kind of play out, um, it would have been a much bigger, more impactful reveal, but also not have felt like a filler episode. Yeah, because they put so much prominence into the Tibers being a game changer. Um, I think two episodes ago when... 
Zeke was telling the warriors in the war room about them. And then here, they're just kind of, like you said, they're just meshed in with these other side stories and side plots that you, they really kind of lose focus on the Tibers being of significance. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously we see in the preview for the next episode that uh, Willie Tiber is going to put on his theatrical production or whatever. So he's going to be, I'm sure he's going to be one of the main focuses of the next episode. But this one, like you said, it kind of downplays his importance and just mashes him with everyone else's random shit. So with that, let's dive into the synopsis because um, I think there's some there are some important things that we want to touch on, um, but not a not a whole lot. I think in general, my my notes here are are they're significant, but they're not as long as other episodes because again, there's just so much random stuff happening that I felt just wasn't of importance. But let, let's run through that and then we can talk more about it. Yeah. So here is the synopsis for episode sixty three, from one hand to another. Falco Punch secretly delivers a letter for Kruger via a mailbox outside the internment zone, but we all know it's just Aaron Jägermeister in hobo disguise letting the Paradise gang know what's up. General Maggot meets discount Fabio lookalike Willie Tiber, whose family wields the Warhammer Titan and secretly controls Marley Nation, and tells Wet Willie of his plans to reinstate a draft to give Marleyans a reality check. Wet Willie shares his sentiments and evokes the Marleyan hero Helos in composing a final solution to the Titan question. Elsewhere, as Reiner and the other warriors struggle to come up with a concrete plan for the invasion of Paradise, Falco Punch and the warrior candidates celebrate a small victory over a frustrated Gabby, and he blurts out that he is doing it for her. Prepubescent love must be in the air. Falco Punch later pays Aaron Krugermeister a visit, followed by Aaron's deranged grandfather who sulks in guilt over how fucked his family life is. At night, the warrior candidates serve as waiters at a Tiber dinner party for some anti-Eldian ambassadors, where Wet Willie announces that his Titan TED Talk will come in the form of a grand theater production in the Liberio internment zone. The following day, the candidates walk the streets to celebrate Topsy Turvy Day and prepare to watch Wet Willie's play, but not before Falco Punch drags Reiner to a nearby cellar and introduces him to his old chum, Aaron Kruger Jaeger Man Jensen. So let's start at the top. Um, first off the, the letters. So Falco's meeting up with Aaron and helping him send these letters to his quote unquote family. And I feel like this is probably him sending letters to the other folks on parodies. The parodies gang gang. It, it makes me think that there's way more of the individuals from parodies on Marley, um, than we may realize. Um, because so, so far I think we've gotten like a soft confirmation that, that John is there um, based off of the first episode when they kind of pan to this guy in a gray suit with a hat who's reading the newspaper. Like it, it looks like John and that's the only person I could possibly think that, that it is. Um, but I think that's him saying he's sending out, you know, messages to um, everyone else out there who can't make it into the internment zone, whereas he can't make it out of the internment zone. And I think it's interesting to note that Aaron uses the alias Kruger in his interactions with Falco. It's almost sort of like an homage to Aaron Kruger, who was, if you remember, the owl um, in the flashbacks to Grisha's memories in the last season. And Kruger, that Kruger was a mole in the Marley military who had founded, helped found the Restorationists. 
Um, so a little bit of full circle there. Yeah, he uh, he uses his namesake's name in this yeah. sense. And he also uses, I guess, the coded messaging of going back to his hometown after the festival. Very similar to how Reiner and uh, Berthold always said that they dreamed of going back to their hometown um, while they were in the scout regiment. Yeah, I think like it was maybe it was Reiner or Berthold that said, you know, I, I'm going home at any cost. Like no matter what, I'm going home. Um, and thinking back on it, I, it makes sense that that's a very odd statement because most people's homes, like Aaron, for example, were, were destroyed. So what home could he possibly have wanted to go back to? But now we know that he was talking about Marley. And in this case, it's very obvious to us that Aaron's probably talking about Paradise in this sense. Mm-hmm. And another connection between uh, Aaron and Falco comes in Falco's family, which is the Grease, or is it Grice family? I think it's Grice. Yeah, whichever way. Um, but if you recall, again, from Grisha's memories, Grice was one of Grisha's patients who had convinced him to join the Restorationists. Again, kind of bringing that full circle between the relationship between Jaeger and Grice. And I think there's more to it just being a coincidence that Reiner is rooting for Falco of the Grice family to become the Armored Titan um, because there's, again, this episode, it's revealed that the Grice family, although we knew it, um, but revealed to the characters in the episode that the Grice family was once part of the Restorationists. Yeah, and I think that that bloodline obviously is is very kind-hearted and and thoughtful um and we see that in falco like he's he's inherited inherited that um that set of traits and i hope because i really like falco i hope that that plays to his favor down the road um and i i hope that that's what aaron sees in him is is those traits and, and his potential to help push towards the greater good but then in the next scene, we get um, Commander Magath meeting with... It's General, actually, now. Oh, I think it? he got promoted oh, after the battle. Well, fancy for him. <laughs> General Gen- Magath. General Magath meets with um, Willie Tiber of the Tiber family, um, and they have a chat out on the balcony. Can I just say one thing? Kind of going with my name gripes with like Marley... Of all the wealthy and noble-sounding names they could have given him, they go with Willie. <laughs> yeah, not even William. <laughs> yeah, like or Wilhelm or even like Liam. They go with Willie. It's just <laughs> the stupidest name for someone you're supposed to have the most, like the utmost respect for. Yeah, but his his family um, is a little bit wild, and Commander Magath, General, excuse me, Magath <laughs> sees that when he when he uh, meets Willie for the first time and he kind of scans the room and and then asks, um, well, maybe Willie is the one that, that brought it up. But anyway, the, the idea of the Warhammer Titan being potentially one of those people in the room um, is brought up. And I think it's like a really cool moment in this episode because like the Titans in general are pretty secretive. Um, but for the most part, as an audience member, we, we kind of know who's who. And we've seen the Titans even before it was revealed who the actual person was that held that Titan power. But because we've seen those Titans, we can kind of guess who the owners are. 
Like, for example, when Annie was revealed to be um, the female Titan, I wasn't surprised. It looks exactly like her. And the Colossal Titan, when I kind of thought about it, I'm like, yeah, it kind of does look like Beartold. And same thing with the Armored Titan. I mean, the blonde hair kind of gives it away as being Reiner. But we have not seen the Warhammer Titan at all. We have no clue if it's male or female. We have no clue what it looks like. So we, as the audience members, are equally in the shadows as to who in the family has the Warhammer Titan power. But Willie did confirm that it was somebody in that room. Yeah, it's interesting that they, or that he chose not to reveal them. Uh, I'm assuming like it's a safety measure out of, you know, paranoia. And I'll kind of comment on that later on. Um, But yeah, you compare that to the way that, you know, once a warrior candidate is chosen to wield any of the Titan powers, they're they're paraded around, the the city as you saw in the last episode because i feel i feel like willie knows that as like as part of the family that secretly controls marley he knows that there is some espionage going on um so it's a matter of whether or not he can trust the military or i guess anyone in the marley higher-ups with the information on who is exactly the warhammer titan in the family my bet is on that old man but we'll see. I know. I feel like it's going to be someone totally unexpected. It's either going to be someone completely expected or someone totally unexpected. Like, it's just, there's not going to be this this middle ground. I, I don't know. It reminds me of that um, that episode of The Office where they're playing that um, that Savannah game, the murder in Savannah or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then Dwight's trying to figure out who the murder was. And he's like, it's not the person you most expect, but it's also not the person you least expect. It's the person you most medium suspect. I don't know. I feel like in this <laughs> sense, because Attack on Titan loves to give us like major surprises, it's probably going to be the person we least expect. Yeah, because the one you most expect is obviously Willie. And I guess the one you'd least suspect is the old man. Yeah, or one so, of the little kids. <laughs> yeah, so it's got to be someone in between. But as that, that conversation continues between Willie and Magath, um, we get some interesting information. The first off is the biggest reveal of this episode, that the Tibers are actually the ones that control Marley, which is very unexpected. Um, and it is kind of crazy to see how polite the Marleyans are to the Tiber family, despite them being Eldian, knowing that every other Eldian in the world, not even in um in marley but also revealed in this episode that in the world in other countries they're treated like garbage and in fact the marleyans um we learn a little bit later with udo right his name's udo with the glasses mm-hmm. um we learn later with udo that um his family came from another country and they were treated worse off than they are here in marley as Eldians. um so yeah the whole the whole concept's wild to me but as the, the conversation progresses um, it sounds like Commander Magath is, is pretty much saying that Marley is power hungry, that if I'm understanding this correctly, that um, Marleyans are just content with reading st- stuff in the newspaper as long as they see that Marley is growing in power um, and they have no care for who's doing what to get that power. And he's kind of saying, Commander or General Magath, that it might actually be good for the people of Marley to have their heads um, you know, in in the in the trenches, have their you know lives on the line in war, so they can understand what's at stake here. Um, and Willie kind of, I think, agrees with him to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole conversation, I think, was was to me probably one of the more interesting parts of this episode because they're hinting at something really big, but they're not telling us specifically what that is. Yeah, as always, it's 
an anime character scheming with a grand scheme. <laughs> um, quick comment on Willie Tiber's half Eldian lineage that you mentioned. I like that it kind of sparks allusions to there was like a conspiracy theory that Hitler himself may have been of Jewish descent. Um, but it's interesting that he kind of going forward a little bit in the episode that he acknowledges his half lineage um, during the dinner with the ambassadors. And you see them treating him with high regard, calling him like the kin of our saviors. And you juxtapose that with the way that the warrior candidates who are serving as waiters during the dinner, um, they're being scoffed at by the ambassadors saying that, oh, like, look who's touching our plates. That must mean our food is dirty. So it's just weird that, you know, like Willie and these candidates, they share the same bloodline, um, the Eldian bloodline. And so they're one and the same, but you're seeing two different sides of the coin in how they're treated. And you can't even argue that it's because he's half Eldian because Reiner's half Eldian mm -hmm. and he's treated like garbage and he's fed all this propaganda and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it's just the whole thing is like crazy to me. I was very shocked. And again, I was kind of disappointed that this reveal was so downplayed, was so smothered by everything else going on in this episode, because that is a huge huge deal and if we skip ahead um a little bit to where magath and willie are sitting at the theater that they're building we continue to have more of this conversation and this i think this conversation to me was a big riddle and i really really want to know what they're talking about because on the surface commander magath and, and willie are talking about um something being in a state of decay and in total need of repairs and that needs to be overhauled but i don't think they're actually talking about something physical like i don't think they're talking about like a building or something i feel like they're talking in code that maybe they're talking about the country and that it's in complete decay and that it needs to be completely like redone um, because they never specifically say what it is they're talking about or what's on that piece of paper that Magath hands Willie. I think there's something more there. I see it going both ways where I think the first thing that either Willie or Magath mentions is that a large scale demolition is required. And that got me thinking, are they planning a massacre in the internment zone where the production is taking place? And is this their intention to bring the war back home since we heard from Magath that he thinks um, Marley is too far removed from the war and they need, like I said, my synopsis of reality check. Are they trying to get rid of the ambassadors in their play or are they trying to get rid of the sequestered Eldians? So those were all my questions in terms of like the physical meaning of their conversation. But as you mentioned, it also sounded like the two of them were talking in coded speech. And I wrote the last thing that Magath mentions before the scene transitions he says, the house was in danger of collapsing, but some pillars remained usable. According to them, the house is already infested with rats. And that's where this kind of brings me back to um, Willie's uncertainty with revealing the Warhammer Titan, because I feel like what Magath is saying here is that there are moles within the Marley Brass and like the military cannot be fully trusted. And that kind of brings me back to whether or not Zeke has that ulterior motive um, of battling like the Marley higher ups secretly. And this is Magath and Tiber kind of putting those pieces together 
and determining whether or not there are spies. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, I think they're not being literal here. I think based on what both of us are sensing, it's this is code for, for something bigger. Um, and I, I'm i excited to see what that is. I mm-hmm. hope we, we kind of get the first inkling at that with Willie's play in the next episode. And then you hear one of the dinner guests say yesterday's enemy is today's enemy. And then he quickly... Um, corrects himself and says yesterday's enemy is today's friend but is there something meaningful behind that flub and yeah because willie comes in and says oh this guy's just starting off with a with a bad joke and then he kind of corrects the situation because you see everyone in the room tense up after that dinner guest says the enemy thing and then willie comes in to try to calm everyone down yeah i um i think that First of all, I want to know who that guy is. Like, why is he talking? Who is he? And why did he say what he said? He's like but, a drunk uncle. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I'm curious to know, like, at what, what level is he or what is his position so that we can gauge how much he may actually know. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think this adds a really cool um, kind of like political twist to everything because mm-hmm. while Attack on Titan has had a lot of politics in it, um a lot of that's just been centralized around parodies and like the king and everything but now we're seeing some of the political games happening out in marley um and knowing that the folks from parodies are not privy to that information how are they going to figure all of that out and how are they going to overcome whatever is about to happen right so i know i'm jumping around a little bit but two things i wanted to, to mention um going back before this um, conversation between Magath and Willie at the theater. So we get um, a very quick shot, a very quick scene of um, Galliard being scared by Piek when she was looking like the grudge. Um, And (laughs) I guess, because I was doing some quick reading up um, on this episode, and apparently that part was actually supposed to happen in the last episode, if we're thinking chronologically. But Mappa, I guess, didn't, didn't, put it in that episode but then everyone was very surprised that they put it in this episode almost as if like mappa was listening to the fans and they were like all right fine we'll put that that pick on her all fours with that ass in the air um, <laughs> that scene in the episode so people were surprised that it did make it in that um but it was not in the the correct spot according to the manga so who knows maybe maybe it is mappa kind of giving the fans what they want. Um, and if so, props to them. So there was no real significance in that. It's just the fans wanted it put in. That's what I'm getting from some of the things that I was reading. And, you know, you got the the degenerate weebs out there who are like, we want to see that pick ass, man, on all fours. And there you go. You I just it. thought it was like a random homage to like the ring lady or like you said, the grudge. That, I felt like it was the grudge. <laughs> I, I thought it was nice though, because not for like the ass part of it, but just having some lighthearted moments because the, the, the season's been really heavy so far. Um, but this episode overall, while it is more of like a filler feel, I do appreciate that it gives us the humor, lightheartedness and cheerfulness that very rarely comes along in Attack on Titan. And then after that, um, we get the scene of Falco basically confessing to Gabby and it goes right over her head. I don't have much to say about that other than that was kind of cute and we know, you know, concretely that Falco's motive is because he cares about Gabby, not just because she's a girl and wants to help her not become a Titan, basically. So, yeah, love might be in the air. 
So moving forward in the episode, we then get the scene where Aaron meets his grandfather, which is kind of crazy. Um, he kept his cool the whole time. So props to Aaron. You know, he didn't want to blow the whole, you know, lid off this operation by freaking out that he's meeting his grandpa. Um, but one of the first questions I have is around his grandfather's armband. It's red. Um, and I thought that meant that it, he, it's, the person wearing it is an honorary Marleyan, but I could be wrong as to the significance of that armband. Um, wh- why was he wearing a red armband? I think it's because Zeke is an honorary Marleyan. And so by the transitive property, <laughs> um, that makes grandfather Jaeger an honorary Marleyan. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And to be honest, when Zeke met up with his grandparents in the second episode when they returned to Liberio. I thought that it was um, his mother's parents because I was like, there's no way that he's meeting up with the Jaegers. He had to put on this big show that he disowned his father and that he hates being a Jaeger. And if he goes back to the Jaeger family, like won't that kind of fuck, you know, fuck shit up. But apparently it was the Jaegers that he went back to. Um, and we got, the uh, the confirmation of that and the reminder as to that whole backstory with Grisha, which brings into question, like if that was um, Grandfather Jaeger that Zeke greeted when they returned to the internment zone, and we see that same grandfather here talking to Aaron, like we know that he's he's delusional because he's just so wracked with guilt about um, losing Grisha and his daughter Faye, if you remember her. Mm-hmm. Um, won't he go back to Zeke telling him, hey, I just saw your half-brother at the hospital and he's up to no good. But does he know that that's Aaron? I don't think he knows that that's Aaron. Oh, he just thinks that... He just... I think the whole reason he went over to Aaron is because he just... Um, he's concerned that Aaron or whoever this soldier is is putting Falco in a difficult position because he talks about how... Falco's family had a really difficult time overcoming what, um, you know, the his grandfather or whoever it was that started the Restorationists, um, or that was part of the Restorationists, uh, overcoming that in order to, you know, continue to stay in Liberio and have an opportunity at becoming honorary Marleyans. Oh, yeah, you're right. He he never mentions Aaron by Aaron Yeager. Yeah, because I feel like if he did know that it, it was Aaron, um, after seeing him freak out just when Aaron asks about his family and if he has any regrets, um, I feel like he would have freaked out and been like, oh my God, my grandson is here. Mm -hmm. My other grandson is here. Even so, wouldn't you want to tell your honorary Marleyan grandson that there's a mole (laughs) in the hospital? But that's just too much overthinking for now. The next scene is that weird banquet scene that just, to me, felt like completely out of left field. There was no lead up into it. It was just, here we are at a banquet and the kids are the waiters. And I'm like, okay, what the hell's happening? Um, really, the only takeaways for me were um, the, the the mention of Udo's previous um, situation being in a different country as an Eldian. Like, we already talked about that. That You know, Marley actually treats their Eldians better than other countries. Um, we get the... The Hizuru person, um, she saves Udo when he spills the wine on her. And I liked that part because I think that signals that there are good people out there. They're just maybe too afraid to to voice their support for the Eldians. Mm-hmm. I assume she's going to play a bigger part because Gabby knew who she was, like through word of mouth, I'm assuming. So she seems like she's a significant individual and I hope we get more of her. 
Yeah, I think Hizuru is probably like the equivalent of Japan in this universe. Um, well, I think she and she's probably literally Japanese, right? Because she's wearing a kimono. Yeah, they mentioned kimono, which was was kind of odd. Kind of, I don't know. That takes you. It took me out because you know, I feel like kimono is more of like a real world term that you wouldn't expect in in an anime universe like this. Yeah, I feel like they avoid naming any other country than Marley. Like they'll say like the Mid East forces or mm-hmm. whatever, and then when Gabby talks about Hizuru, she says like the East force or whatever i can't remember what she said like something east force um so i feel like they're referencing actual countries but they're never actually going to name them because the mm-hmm. kids do eat pizza when they're in the festival later in the episode um but yeah i agree the kimono thing was kind of interesting because i'm like that's directly related to japan but they're not specifically saying that she's japanese which i don't know if there is going to be a connection here because didn't you say like the ackermans um are like of this asian or eastern descent yeah um you can see it in levi and um and mikasa's faces where they're drawn they they do have more of that asian look but i think they're both half and half maybe i know at least mikasa is right because wasn't her mom asian and the Mm -hmm. whole backstory for her was that these guys wanted to kidnap her because asian blood is rare and so they busted into their house and then killed her parents and then all that shit yeah I'm just wondering if there is a connection between them and this ambassador from this eastern country. Um, Maybe it's Levi's mom. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird that she would just purposely cover for Udo and protect him without there being like a reason, uh, like a true reason behind it. Yeah. And really the only other takeaway in this scene is how everyone fawns over Willie Tiber just really solidifying for us that they this family is put up on a pedestal despite their bloodline despite every other Eldian across the world it seems like being treated like garbage and the whole concept as I said before the whole concept of the Tibers running Marley is crazy to me because if you think about it Eldians rule a country where other Eldians are forced into internment camps and used as tools of war And those Eldians then hate and want to destroy other Eldians who live on an island and have no fucking clue what's going on. It's just this whole thing is like a big circle. And I don't know like how to wrap my head around this. Like how does Marley allow this to happen? How does Marley just continue to let this cycle perpetuate knowing that at the end of the day they're hypocrites because the Eldians are running everything? I think it's because they know the Eldians still hold the Titan power and that's their only real reason for, I don't know, like utilizing them in their, in their self-interest. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just like, I don't know. I, I need to know. I need to know more about this. I need to know like what the fuck Willie's up to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it just like blows my mind. I, I think that was such, again, such a big reveal and I wish it was, amped up more in this episode because this is so so important how are Aaron and the gang going to handle this like how are they going to be able to determine who's a good Eldian worth saving and who's not a good Eldian worth saving because this muddies the waters really bad and I like how Willie kind of puts himself on the same pedestal as uh, the legend of Helos that he talks about earlier in the episode um to preface it, uh, Helos is a Marley and Titan slayer who 
was joined by the Tiber family in bringing an end to the Great Titan War. Um, so I don't. It's weird that he's putting self himself in this like mythical status in how he is going to kind of be like the puppet master to this entire um, Eldian Marleyan conflict. And then he goes and tells General Magath that he doesn't want this responsibility, that he mm-hmm. wishes someone else would grab the wheel, but the wheel's in his hands. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I don't buy that. I feel like he's just saying that to downplay some stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't like the situation that's before you, why not change it? You hold the power to change everything. Because I think on the balcony scene, Willie said that, um, you know, it's because of his family. You know, they're responsible for causing the situation between Marley and Eldia, um, based on what they had done, you know, in the beginning with driving out the king and everything. But I'm like, just change it then. You have the power to do that. And it seems like maybe he's trying to do that, but I don't feel like his his intentions are quite genuine. He's like half-assing it. Yeah. And then in the last scene, we get the festival. And I really appreciated this scene because it shows the kids experiencing their first festival and probably one of the only times they're really going to have this much fun. So when you reflect on it more, it actually is very, very sad because um, they are hated on and pushed into military training, and they're going to continue to live a very difficult um, life, regardless of whether they inherit Titans or not. And just the fact that like they've gone this long, they're probably like, what, 14, 15? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They've gone this long without experiencing something that seems basic, seems just like basic fun, something that you experience in life, like a festival and and all these people and just positive energy all around you. Um, It it makes me sad for for the life that they've lived and and the life that they have ahead of them. I I think you see that um, in the way that Reiner looks at them as they're enjoying things, Um, because I think he that's ultimately what he wants for these kids is for them to just live truly free lives. Um, And then you see him playing the uncle role by paying for all their food. Yeah. And I didn't notice that as the scene progresses, you see Reiner in the background, like looking more and more upset that he's losing money. Like he actually starts to hunch over and it's like a dark look on his face. Like he's, he's going broke. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to the most important part of the episode, which comes after the credits And if you're the type who skips after the ending, don't do that in Attack on Titan because there are post-credit scenes and they are very significant to the story. And in this post-credit scene, as Carl mentioned in his synopsis, um, we get the reunion or the start of the reunion between Reiner and Eren. And in this moment, I just think like Falco is such a good kid. He's so innocent and caring and he's stupid. Kid. <laughs> he's like genuinely excited to reunite Aaron and Reiner and surprise Reiner. And Reiner is surprised. So he got that part of it. But he Falco's going to get a rude awakening in the next episode. We actually do see um, we see a cut in the preview for the next episode um, with Falco looking very upset, like horrified almost. And I want to know if that horror is from him learning who Aaron really is, or if that horror comes from learning about what Reiner did on Paradise. Because I think that learning about the people of Paradise being good people and knowing that Reiner ruined their lives, that's going to be a lot for Falco to handle. And I think it's going to bring into question what Falco's role, if he becomes the Armored Titan, what he's 
going to have to do um, with that Titan power uh, in this war. Yeah, and I do want to mention too, um, we get yet, yet another basement moment mm-hmm. in this show, um, which is significant because we have Grisha's basement or Aaron's basement. But also what I thought about in this moment is I think it's very intentional that Aaron wanted to meet Reiner in this basement because they're underground, which means Reiner can't transform into a Titan without getting trapped. And I think that's similar to what um, Aaron, Mikasa, and Armin did with Annie to try and trap her. They wanted to lure her into this underground area so that if she did try to turn into a Titan, she would get trapped down there. If I remember correctly from, I think it was like season two or something. Or isn't that season one? It might have been season one. Yeah. I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do love that shot of the stairs leading down to the basement because, again, it, it evokes the same feel as when Aaron and the Paradise crew um, finally reached uh, Grisha's basement. Because um, obviously with both of those scenes, we're getting a huge revelation here. Then it was the whole concept of there being another country um, in Marley that was attacking the Paradise Island. And then here, it's the revelation that Aaron's in town. He's here. (laughs) And then lastly is the preview for the next episode. And all I can say is I cannot fucking wait for episode 64. This is everything we have wanted for such a long time now. And I'm hoping that we get some real answers from both Aaron and Reiner. I mean, Reiner has a lot of explaining to do, but I feel like there's going to be some big reveals on Aaron's part as well as to what they've been up to for the past four years. And one other thing that I noticed in the preview is there are shots of like the soldiers acting uneasy. One is carrying like binoculars and then you see the Marley brass kind of whispering in the audience. So I'm wondering if, like, is shit about to go down during the play? Um, is this what a ty- or Willie Tiber was referring to with, like, a large-scale demolition? Um, is the parodies crew just going to surprise everyone? Like that visual where they're all on the rooftops with um, Aaron's Attack Titan form in the, uh, in the background. If you haven't seen that, it is a key visual that came up um, leading up to the release of the final season. So mm-hmm. you can Google it. Or you could not if you don't want to be that spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> but it was everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, for fuck's sake, something big better happen in this next episode. Because this whole focus on Marley Train, it just seems to have run its course for me. Yeah. I think even if this episode just ends up being mostly about Aaron and Reiner's conversation and mostly about Willie and his weird ass play... I'm okay with that because I just want, I want to know. I want to mm-hmm. know all these things about like what the hell is going through Reiner's head and what Aaron has been up to. Like if there's nothing else but the two of them sitting in a basement talking, as long as I get some significant pieces of information, things that are important to the plot, I'm fine with that. It could be the slowest episode ever, but I'm still so excited for this one. And again, I'm I'm also excited, excited to see um, what Willie has up his sleeve. What is this quote unquote single solution to the uh the eldian problem that he's got you know brewing what's that all about Mm -hmm. but the biggest shame of this next episode is that it will not come out until january 11 2021 which i didn't realize until earlier today and i'm so bummed to be fair most anime are taking a break right now because um, it is kind of that time of the year where they give their animators and their, their teams a break. Totally deserved. No problem with that. I'm happy to wait for good things. But, you know, part of me is kind of like, damn, I got to wait. This is so good. I don't want to wait. 
It's only about a week and a half, so it's not too long of a wait. Yeah, as of the time of this recording, yeah, that's that's not too bad. And that brings us to our final thoughts and final rating. So how many Helos statues out of 10 would you give this episode? I would give it a 7 out of 10. Um, again, it's just because the whole episode is boring and feels like a filler. The significant information that we received in this episode could have been given to us as part of the next episode um, or as part of the previous episode. I don't think we needed an entire episode dedicated to this. And again, the pacing was super odd and just jumped around everywhere. As an anime-only viewer, um, I just I feel like I'm missing something with this episode because I didn't read the manga, and I don't like that. <laughs> what about you? Same. I would give this 7 out of 10 um, for much of the same reasons that you mentioned. This episode just feels like it needed to squeeze in their last bits of random world building before the next big showstopper, so they just wanted to cram everything in here and... Like, yeah, we got a lot of information, but like you said, the pacing was off and, you know, a lot everything was pretty coded. So I think watching this episode in hindsight is going to give us more satisfaction than it is watching it right now. Um, and obviously the biggest thing of this was the post credit scene at the end. And that just makes me excited to see the next episode in a week and a half because that's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, so you'll have a bit of a break from us as we follow the break and attack on Titan, but we're looking forward to um, jumping back into things the week of January 11th when the newest episode releases. And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. New podcast episodes will release every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central following the new episode of Attack on Titan. This is in addition to our regular schedule for Strictly Anime. You can follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. Check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you can reach out to us to share your thoughts on Attack on Titan. You'll also find more information on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. Shinzo wa sasageo.